Hello and welcome to the Kalkatindi Show. We don't believe in ourselves enough to really go after our dreams. I had a purpose. I was in a marriage. I wasn't too happy with my relationship at the time. I don't know what it is yet, but I just, I really trust it. And it's, it's exciting to tap into it because you see little breadcrumbs of it, like little kind of tastes of different mm-hmm. kind of doors that you're opening up. I do genuinely believe mm-hmm. that if you have the confidence and the self-belief to achieve, that anything is is possible. I really can create change in this world. I really can help people. They've changed my life. They've completely revolutionized the way that I think and they've encouraged my highest self. And, um, you know, I think the foundations in those three books. All right. My guest today is Nia Bashan. Nia is a world-renowned creativity expert. He's the founder and CEO of the Creator Mindset LLC. He has told thousands of leaders and individuals around the globe how to harness the power of creativity to improve profitability, increase sales, improve customer service, and ultimately create more meaning in their work. His clients include AT&T, Microsoft, S-Hardware, NFL Network, ESports, Suzuki, Activision, and JetBlue Airways. His work on creativity has won a Celio Award and was nominated for an Emmy. Nia, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, buddy. Thank you for having me, Carl. Awesome. So, Nia, I want to start by congratulating you on your new book, The Creator Mindset, which was released last week on August 4th. How are you feeling since the book came out? <laughs> good. Yeah, busy, man. It's been busy, uh, but I feel really good mm-hmm. and I'm very happy that the book is kind of out, man. It took so, so very long mm-hmm. uh, to put it together and to get it out. So, I'm, I, I feel relieved, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I've heard it say that most authors write the books they need to read themselves. And I would say that rings true for you to some, with it to some extent, because, you know, before you wrote this book, you had read many books on the market, but most of them were talking about, you know, the why of creativity, but we're not focused on the how. So you decided to write the book. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, for sure. So when I, um, when I, was sort of coming up in in different businesses and doing different things. I've always admired people around me that were creative. And I I would ask them a lot, you know, I would say, hey, how did you become creative? And how do I become creative? Because you're doing really great. And nobody told me anything, Carl. They, um, most people felt that being creative was like a trade secret, you know, something that only they had and nobody else could have ever. And, you know, they wanted to closely guard it like a secret. And what I realized is, you know, okay, fine. If my friends and and associates and people in business that I admire are not going to tell me how to be creative, then I'm going to find it in a book, right? No problem. Mm -hmm. So I looked at you know, hundreds of books on creativity and almost every book out there, at least everyone that I could find was about the why of creativity. Why should we be creative? And, you know, why is creativity so important? But I already knew that why it was important, but now I needed to know how. Mm -hmm. And the book wasn't out there, Carl. So I kind of, I, I, 
took about six years and I wrote it myself, six or seven years. Um, and what, what I ended up doing was taking different pieces of different businesses that I've been working with, everything from Hollywood, you know, and music albums all the way to furniture refinishing and, you know, uh, fast food and different restaurants that I worked in. I mm-hmm. took all of that knowledge and put it together in a book that shows people how to be creative. Hmm. Wow. All right. So, Nia, let's rewind a bit. You started your first business at nine years old, washing cars with a friend, and that didn't exactly work out. So you found a yeah. way to make money by cleaning trash bins for people. And uh, somewhere along the way, you got into selling furniture. So at what point do you transition into creativity that has since become your career? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question, Carl. Um, I think what ended up happening, right, when when I was nine, mm-hmm. I went, you know, door-to-door washing cars. I was a little kid, and I, I felt I was prepared, Carl. I had a bucket, and I had a little bit of soap, mm-hmm. and I had a sponge and a towel, and I felt like I had my tools, right? Yeah. And then when when we'd go door to door asking people to wash their car, a lot of people told me that they needed something else done. They didn't need their car washed. They needed the garbage cans cleaned. They needed some other stuff done. And so I learned when I was very young that any business, no matter what you do and no matter where you are in the world, you need to stay nimble and quick to adapt to whatever is going on around you. Because no matter how much effort you put into the plan that you think in your head is going to work, the plan that you think everybody's going to pay you money for, the people who are flexible and really creative are the ones that survive. And then the people who are not, they, they, they die. They go out of business. They're not around anymore. So I learned very young that I need to stay creative, but I didn't know really how to do it other than if somebody doesn't want me to wash their car, so I'll just clean their trash or sweep their porch or, you know, um, do whatever they needed done, clean their, you know, backyard, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I learned that just because you're trying to do one thing doesn't mean that the market will tell you that you need to do another thing. And the more flexible you are in understanding that and the more creativity you're willing to bring into something like that, then I've noticed that you do, you tend to do really, really well. And so I did that in every business that I've, I've ever run. I worked for other people running their businesses. And at every point of the way, I learned how to be creative in order to survive. And mm-hmm. creativity for me was not always, Carl, it wasn't always about doing what you were asked to do. It was sometimes about doing something else that mm-hmm. kept you in business. Mm-hmm. Wow, I think that's very, very, very important. Can you just repeat that for everyone listening? Yeah, for sure. I think some... Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that sometimes, you know, um, sometimes being flexible and doing something other than what we're used to getting paid for Mm -hmm. is incredibly, incredibly powerful. Look today, especially, right, Carl? There's so much Mm -hmm. trouble around the world and, you know, we have 
uh, COVID and businesses are going out of business and mm -hmm. everybody's having trouble. But the people that are doing well are finding ways to change and finding ways to be creative about what they offer. And that creativity is keeping, literally keeping businesses alive. Hmm. Uh, Mia, how do you build a culture of creativity? You know, it starts with, um, it really starts with understanding that everybody on earth is born creative. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter who you are. You could be in the U.S. You could be in wherever, you know, uh, China. It doesn't matter. Anywhere on the planet, everybody's born creative. And once you understand that everyone is born creative, mm -hmm. then you start to embed that into the organization by understanding that the input from any department, it doesn't matter who it is. It could be operations, it could be finance, all of the department in the company, in the organization, have something to contribute to creativity because it is inherent in who we are as human beings. And it is your job as an employee or as the owner of the business, it doesn't really matter, but it's your job to help propel creativity and decision making and in everything that you do so that the organization and your job and your career can stay vibrant and relevant. Mm -hmm. And uh, does does environment have a role to play in creativity? And I'll use Google and Facebook as a reference. If you look at the way their workspaces are designed, I think you'd have to try so hard not to get into a creative state of mind in an, in an atmosphere like that. So what do you think, um, what role do you think environment plays in creativity? I think it's a big, it's a big uh, part of it. So there was a book written called The Fearless Leader. It came out this year or mm -hmm. last year. It's Amy Edmelson's book. She's a professor at Harvard. Mm -hmm. um, and she talks about how, um, you know, safety, psychological uh, safety is really important in the workplace because what it does is it sets up an environment where people feel free and able to contribute. And mm -hmm. for her, you know, it's contributions of, of everything. But for me, that safety comes with contributing creativity. So the environment has to be ripe for people to want to take risk and to be creative. Because oftentimes, Carl, when we are in a creative environment, that is the type of environment that fosters risk-taking. And if we're comfortable taking risks, then we're comfortable getting creative. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, Nia, what is your creative process like? Do you have like some sort of ritual that sparks your creativity flow? No doubt. So I believe that because we're all born creative, um, we just need a system and a routine to become creative in everything that we do. A lot of people think, Carl, that you have to uh, be either be born creative, you know, and, and you get creativity when the lightning strikes or, you know, you don't have it. But for mm -hmm. me, I have a routine, a repeatable routine that will enable anybody to become creative no matter what they do. It's a three-step process. The first is called the concept, and it's the highest level view 
of what your product or your service is. The mm-hmm. next down is the idea, and that gives you a sense of kind of a medium level of what you're doing. And then finally, on the bottom, we have the execution, which is the electron microscope. You know, you could see all the atoms interacting. It is the most, you know, narrow view of your product or service possible. And what I teach people around the world how to do is take their business or their their career um, and place it in those three different levels, right? The huge level, the medium level, and the uber, uber, ultra specific level and enable them to practice by sitting down with a pen. You could do it with a group of people. I've done it with, I think, 1,500 people at a convention once. But it's really a practice of taking that structure and enabling creative thought to be generated from identifying those different three pieces of your product, service, or your career. Mm-hmm. Well, Nia, yeah. from your experience and all the, you know, the clients you've worked with, both organizations and individuals, what have you realized that holds most people back from being creative? So, great question, Carl. Um, what I think holds people back from being creative is themselves. Mm. So as soon as you become, as soon as you realize that everyone was born creative, the second thing that I teach people to realize is that your makeup, the the self-doubt monster that we all have within us is trying very, very hard to get you away from creativity and into predictability. Why? Because, you know, 20, 30, 50, 80,000 years ago when we were, you know, in caves or whatever and, you know, we found a water source, we wanted to keep that same water source because we knew it was predictable and the water was safe. We drank from it. It didn't kill us. So what more could you possibly want, you know? Mm -hmm. And today we still keep with us those same protection systems that, you know, 50, 80,000 years ago, 70,000 years ago, kept us alive. But today, you know, whether, you know, we we turn in uh, the wrong report at work or whether, you know, we're trying to think about how to be creative, it's that same construct that we were, you know, that we had when we were trying to survive, that same thing comes up and it tells us, don't do it. Don't take a risk. Why change? You found water. Why would you ever, you know, find a cave that's away from the water? Why take a chance? Don't take a chance. Don't do this. Don't do that. Keep it safe. Stay alive. Keep it safe. And so we no longer need that. To, we don't. We no longer need our brain to tell our our bodies. Hey, don't take that risk. Today, you need to take risk in order to survive, Carl, because if you do the same thing, you're going to, you're not going to survive in business. There is no business on earth that survives by doing the same thing over and over again. None. Every business, no matter who you are, no matter what you do, exists in a certain band of time. And outside of that band of time, it's either you either change and you survive or thrive, or you cha- you don't change and you end up getting stuck and forever gone from being in business. So I feel like we are the most 
um, difficult, the most obstacle-ridden path to our own creativity and our own creative potential because of the DNA of our human existence is wired for survival. It's not wired for taking risk and doing things that will benefit a business. Mm -hmm. So how do we get out of our own way? Yeah, then that's the question. So I have a few techniques in the book. I talk about one technique that helps you understand that your ideas are like water. And mm -hmm. if you look at water, you see it, it doesn't care what it is. It doesn't care that it, you know, one atom is connected to the other. It doesn't care that it's hot or cold or it's going over a rock or it's coming out of your, you know, uh, sink. It doesn't care what it is. All it does is it, it flows because it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And what I teach people to do is when they get stuck and they get too much inside their own heads to start to visualize how your ideas are like water and they should not care and you should not care what idea comes before what idea comes after allowing yourself to make mistakes one and to not feel that everything that you do has to be perfect Carl really helps people mm -hmm. to let go of having to be perfect every time. Mm -hmm. And it helps people understand that, you know what, time out. I'm doing okay. What I am working on is good enough. And the ideas that come out are what they are. And once you start to do that and really understand that you don't have to have a good idea all the time, Mm -hmm. The mind, your analytical mind starts to let go of the control a little bit and your ideas start to repeat and repeat and repeat. And pretty soon you start to get some good ideas. Mm -hmm. We are all very sensitive about having good ideas and creativity right away. But sometimes these things take time to develop and that's mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. Wow, that is very powerful. And personally, for me, I have kind of like a perfectionist tendency, I would say. So I think that's yep. my biggest takeaway from what you just shared right now. Yeah, that it's hard because, you know, you want to be good, right? You want to do yeah. really well at what you're doing and, you know, you feel pressure. Uh, you want, to, you know, you want to take pride in what you do. I think that's a very important thing. Mm -hmm. But it can easily get um, it can easily go to the wrong side when we obsess about things and obsess about detail and obsess about being perfect because there's really no such thing as perfect. Yeah. And a lot of this stuff that I talk about is really it's you know there there's 92 tools in the book. I've got like hundreds of them, but we had to pick you know the best ones, right, mm -hmm. or the ones that kind of made the book, but. Every one of my tools, it's free, Carl. It's mm. all free. It doesn't cost you a penny. It's really about understanding and wanting to make a shift in your mindset and the way that you look at things to become more creative. Mm. Yeah, true. And Nia, we do speak the same language, but I don't mean English. So can you guess which language I'm referring to here before I, I say it? Is it the language of love? No, 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 no. I'm talking about Come on, music. Carl. <laughs> I thought you liked me. Sorry? <laughs> I thought you loved me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I'm talking about music. 
So I do songwriting, I do composing, uh, production, and I know you are into music as well, and you play an instrument. Which instrument do you play, by the way? Oh, nice, Carl. That's awesome. Yeah, I play. Um, I I went to school to play double bass, you know, upright bass, uh-huh. and now I play mainly guitar. Awesome. So, what do you play? Oh, sorry. What instruments do you play? I play the piano. Oh, nice. Yeah. So. What I want to know is how big of an influence does music have on creativity, especially for people who like to work with music in the background or actively listening to music? So music is really interesting. It is one very, very small part of creativity, right? So Mm -hmm. people think often that creativity is about music or about art, but it's only one very, very small piece of creativity as a whole it's it's probably one percent of the potential that creativity has but yet most people think of music and art as being instruments of of creativity and why while they most certainly are they're a very small portion of it so when you know when you're talking about having music on or something like that in the background, um, absolutely. Anything that helps you sort of, you know, uncover different ideas and come up with creative thought is, is very much worthwhile. It was always a good idea to, um, you know, be part of the arts and immersed in music and, and different culture and dance and, uh, um, you know, fine art and sculpture and all those things. Those are very, very important things. Mm-hmm. Um, but those things in and of by themselves are not going to make you more creative. Um, just because you go to a museum and you see something really nice or you go online and you, you're viewing paintings is not going to make you more creative. The mm-hmm. only place creativity comes from is yourself. And the way that you express creativity is as unique as your own DNA. No two people on earth are ever going to express creativity in the same way. It's your gift that God gave you to be able to express yourself in a very unique way. And for me, what I'm most interested in is how that expression comes out in your business, in your product or your service, or even in your career, because I feel that businesses around the world have helped really create an environment where, you know, um, good ideas win and good products and services are really beloved by people around the world. And these are some of the only systems that we have on earth to raise the quality of living for anybody anywhere. And so I feel like these are the most important places to focus creativity on. Mm -hmm. And if having the radio on or having, you know, music or whatever your Pandora playing in the background is good for you. And it helps you. I think it's a wonderful thing, but I think that people should look from inside for creativity, not from outside. outside. Wow. That is powerful. And Nia, right now we are going to go into some quick questions. And the first is what is your definition of success? You know, um, I, it's, it's hard to hard to give one definition of success, but I, I think when looked at it creatively, it's whatever you feel is successful. You know, 
know, um, a lot of people spend their whole life, you know, going from accomplishment to accomplishment and never really thinking or re never really believing that they are uh, successful. And success has to be really defined by who you are and what it is that you want. And I think that if we can set out a reasonable expectation, um, I think we would be a lot more successful in and happy in the execution of that accomplishment. Awesome. Uh, Nia, do you have a favorite book? I don't have a favorite book. I read like one a week, dude. So, <laughs> uh, so I read so much, bro. I can't even tell you. Um, okay, let me just rephrase that. Do you have any books that have you can look back on and say that this book has changed my life in a way? Yeah. Uh, so, yes, totally. I really, really like um, Adam Atler's book. I like Adam Grant's books. I like Wayne Baker's books. I like Amy Edmelson's written a couple of books. Um, really, really good. Uh, Emily Balsitas just wrote a really good book mm -hmm. uh, called Clearer, Closer, um, Better, which is really good. And I can't say like, oh, you know, I read this one book and it was really great. Mm -hmm. It's really, for me, an education that is ongoing yeah, yeah. and it is so obtainable yeah. these days and it's so cheap, Carl. It's like these books used to be, you know, 300 years ago, 200, 100 years ago even, they yeah. used to be super expensive. And now, you know, it's a book. It's not, it's not that expensive. The entry point for the knowledge that you gain from reading mm -hmm. is so 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 high for such a low cost mm -hmm. and you know it's not about reading stuff on the internet either it's not about looking at your phone and reading stuff there's a place for that and that's okay um but when you read books especially books that are published yeah. you, you get a sense of you know like for my journey you know it took six years to write Mm -hmm. I've had no less than four editors that worked on the book, mm -hmm. one that did the vision, one that did the copy, one that did, you know, typos and stuff like that, one that did the final pass. Uh, I had researchers from around the world help me on my book, Carl, mm -hmm. and every fact was checked, double checked, triple checked up. Oh, this one yeah. doesn't work. You got to you got to take it out of the book. So just having that amount of attention on a book that yeah. you put out gives the reader so much real value and knowledge. And for me, I, you know, I know that the world has changed a lot and I know that there's all kinds of learning. You could learn stuff on YouTube. You can learn stuff on the internet. You can learn stuff everywhere. But for me, there is no substitute to the written word on a page yeah. or, or an ebook, whatever you want, but there's no substitute for the written word in a volume in a book that explains a particular topic. And so I, I advise your listeners, you know, if, if they're, if they think that this sounds good or they, they want to get more creative or better at their business, not to just stop with my book, but I want them to read all kinds of books, all kinds of nonfiction books, and get a sense of what people are doing. I promise you, Carl, I've written a book 
these authors are spilling their guts out, man. Mm -hmm. Their guts. They're out on the page for everybody. They're being brutally honest and handing gifts that can literally make or break somebody's career. Mm -hmm. It only costs a few dollars or whatever, you know, a trip to the library. It only costs so little to gain so much. I really recommend your listeners start reading. Or, or read true. more. Yeah, true. I agree. I agree. And while we're on the topic of books, I want to emphasize that Nia has just released a book called The Creator Mindset. And Nia, this book is available everywhere, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, it's on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. It's on the internet. You can get it all over the world. It's being translated into two languages. Um, and I'm very, very excited about it. I think, I think, I hope, I hope mm. it helps people, Carl. It will. And that the link to the book is going to be in the show notes. So you can get the book there to our listeners. Um, awesome. So what are some of the habits that have propelled you forward in life that without them, probably you wouldn't have accomplished what you've accomplished so far? Yeah. So I think one of the habits that we don't talk about a lot, yeah. um, Carl, uh, but we should, is positivity. That's mm. one of the habits that I try to practice every day. If you look at your situation positively, then you awaken creative potential to solve the problem. And when you look at it negatively, which is what most of the world does, we then get no actionable items. There is no actionable items that can come from looking at things negatively. There's only actionable items when you look at things positively. And yet so many of us, so much of the time, spend it in negativity and, and anger and self-doubt and all of these horrible deconstructive tools. Yet a habit that is so easy, and it's something that your listeners can do today. They want to be more creative. They can do it today. Just if you learn to look at situation in a more positive light, then it enables you to have a very good chance at solving whatever that problem is in a way that is satisfactory. Mm -hmm. Ania, I'm curious. Do you meditate? I do not. Uh -huh. I do not. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I, you know, whatever works for people, right? I'm not mm. really that kind of guy. Um, I'm more of a doer than a, you know, than a, a meditative kind of person. Um, but if that works for people, then it's great. I'm more about, you know, kind of getting out there and doing actions to improve my outlook. Awesome. Uh, what is one skill you think anyone who wants to succeed in life should learn? Uh, I think that um, <laughs> I think creativity is the most important <laughs> skill. Listen, there was a they did a, a world report. Uh, the World Bank did a report, and they found that creativity is going to be the third most important skill in the next five years. In any business anywhere in the world, doesn't matter what. Mm -hmm. um, and you can imagine, you know, how revolutionary that type of thought is because, you know, it's usually a manufacturing or a, you know, a different sort of a, a approach that needs to be, you know, in value. Mm -hmm. But 
what it really is is the ability to solve problems needs to come from a certain kind of uh, way of thinking. And for me, it is creativity. And I feel like that is the most important tool that your listeners can learn in order to be successful with their with their businesses. Awesome. And what is one key lesson you've learned during this pandemic in this lockdown? Uh, I learned that I think change is inevitable. And if you didn't think that change was here uh, and here to stay, well, you learned it the, uh, you know, the hard way. And mm-hmm. I feel that um, change is something that we all run away from, like we talked about earlier. It's, it's in our DNA and we, we fight it at all costs. But I think the more comfortable we can get with being uncomfortable, the better society will be. Hmm. Wow. Nia, tell me one thing you're grateful to have in your life right now. Grateful? Yeah. Um, I am very grateful for my friends and my family um, since the book has come out and even before they've been incredibly supportive. Mm-hmm. And it's just so nice to see, you know, my friends supporting the, the book and supporting my efforts in, in a way that has been uh, very humbling. So I'm incredibly grateful to my friends and family for being so supportive in this process. Amazing. Yeah, let's talk about your consulting services and uh, other products that you have besides, of course, the book. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so... Uh, I, I do a lot of keynotes. Uh, I do speaking to individuals and to companies, um, uh, leadership uh, uh, speaking. I also do workshops where I go in and I help people with a particular problem, and we workshop through ideas on how to be more creative. Um, and a lot of consulting as well, where I uh, go into a company and uh, look at a particular set of problems or a particular set of learned circumstances that uh, are ripe for changing, and I help people change the structure, change the culture, change the environment of a company to maximize creative potential. Those are kind of my three main things that I do. Awesome. And what is your number one social platform for someone who wants to contribute? Number one social platform? Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe um, I, I think Instagram is good. I love Twitter uh-huh. uh, because it's so simple. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Facebook has been around a long time. Um, I don't really think that any one of the social medias is is all that much better than the other. Um, and they all overlap quite a bit, um, Carl. You know, they all overlap quite a bit. Uh, I think that, you know, it, if we were to look at all of them, they're all so similar um, that I want to not stand out to me as being, you know, the most important one. Okay, so you're active, very active on all, all, all the social media platforms, the major ones at least. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, YouTube is really good. They're all they're all important in their own way. Yet I think they are all um, so similar. And you know, TikTok and all those apps. Everybody's um, kind of doing very similar things. So anytime you could stand out from what everyone else is doing, I think it's a good thing. Awesome. All right. So for the listeners, all the links to Nia's social media platforms are going to be in the show notes. And Nia, your website is niabashan.com, right? Yes, sir. Uh, Nirbushan.com. N-I-R-B-A-S-H-A-N.com. There's not many of us, Carl, in the world. I think there are three people. Three, three Nirbush. There's one Nirbushan that's uploading uh, like uh, walkthrough video games. That's not me. 
that's not me. Um, and then the other one doesn't upload anything. I'm, I'm the yeah. I'm, so you you can find me. I'm pretty easy to find. Yeah. Uh, Neil, before I ask you the, the final question, uh, when I was doing my research, I saw that you're a film director. Is that true? As yes, I worked in the Hollywood for a long time. Yes, sir. Oh wow! So, like, you didn't actual video direction. Like, I'm wondering, was that why you also doing the kind of work you're doing right now, or was that before? Uh, yeah, so it's very much related to what I'm doing now, but very much different. So I spent a lot of time working on in Hollywood, and I spent a lot of time working in music. Mm -hmm. And when I first started in music, I worked on a lot of hip hop albums. That was my thing, right? So I, I don't know how I got writing, it. producing. Recording. Oh, really? Yeah, I was a recording engineer. Wow, so I was ready to do speak the same language music, huh? Yeah, wow. isn't that crazy? <laughs> the language wow. you love, bro. Come on. <laughs> um, anyway, so I, uh, I I sat in a studio with famous musicians, you wow. know, recording, helping record their album. And I found that really there's only two types of musicians in the world, right? Mm -hmm. The ones that who have a repeatable and frequent and successful repeatable type of creativity mm -hmm. and then there's those who you know do drugs and alcohol in order to become creative and it would surprise you to learn that a lot of the people that you think are you know uh people that don't have a process do have a process for creativity so i spend a lot of time learning from people who you think are going to be more creative than us but they're not they just have a system carl that they can repeat over and over again to be creative and that's what really separates them from us and i learned that at a very young age even working with with actors in hollywood i started in hollywood when i was 22 and you know i worked on movies and all of this stuff and i saw actors that were very successful they had a routine and a process and i saw people who weren't successful and they had no they, they were waiting for lightning to strike in order to be creative so i learned a lot from watching the different creative fields uh, movies and all of that stuff and seeing how people were working in there how they were repeating creativity and how people were not repeating creativity and i learned so much about a process that you have to have in place if you want to be creative in the long run hmm. yeah and that's something you still do right now, the music. No, no, not anymore, man. Not yeah. anymore. No, like no, I'm out of that. Fashion disappeared. You know, it it, it it's changed. It just doesn't. Um, I get way more pleasure now, Carl, mm -hmm. and it's way more exciting for me to work with a business that's trying to get to the next level right. than I ever would get sitting in a recording studio. Um, I just get so much more joy in watching a business owner change what they're doing. And, you know, overnight, you know, 2,500 employees are like way more happy to go to work because they were able to change one or two little things. And all of a sudden it makes it better for everyone else. That's like really powerful for me. And yeah. that's what I, uh, that's what I enjoy these days. Yeah. The impact is the reward. The kind of scale, you know, the kind of impact you make, like on that kind of scale, like that's a lot of yeah, things. amazing. Yeah, 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 for sure. All right, Neil, this is the final question, and this is the question that I ask every guest on the show. Neil, okay, what would you say to someone listening right now who is about to give up, who is frustrated that they're not getting the results they want? This person wants to make progress or goals, but feels stuck and has no idea what to do. What advice do you have for this person? You know, Carl, it's really about putting one foot in front of the other, and you've got to keep going. The grit that turns from, you know, it really comes from wanting to get to the next level. Um, there's been plenty of times in my career and in my life where things have gone according to plan, and giving up is the easy way out. If you are willing to continually 
improve and find little, little steps that you can take to get to where you're going. That's far better than, you know, than doing nothing at all. Even if you're moving, you know, an inch at a time, it's better to move a little bit than not at all. And so what I want your listeners to understand is sometimes the little victories, the small ones, just putting one foot in front of the other, just getting a podcast started, just getting yourself out there. Anything that you want to do, it doesn't matter what you want to do. Anything that you want to do, just taking little steps and recognizing little victories that help you along the way get where you want to go is far more important than giving up and saying, hey, I don't want to, I don't want to do anything at all. And those little victories are even more important than the big goal. Uh, in a way, because they, they create meaning for you. And that meaning is really what is incredibly important to a person. And it gives them a sense of, of, of usefulness, function, of meaning, of not only for themselves, but for their community and people that they are around. Amazing. Nia, thanks so much for coming on this show, sharing with us your story, your knowledge, your experiences. And other lessons you taught us. I'm so honored to have you on the show and it's been fun. I enjoyed chatting you and learning from you. Thank you, Carl. Thank you for having me, man. I'm very, very excited to be here and uh, I hope uh, I hope your listeners learned. Sure. And uh, I wish you the best in the new book. And again, for our listeners, the book is called The Creator Mindset and it's going to be all the links are going to be in the show notes. Thanks again. Thanks, brother. See you later. Bye. Thanks for joining me this week on the Kawika Tendi Show. Subscribe to the podcast so that you'll never miss an episode. And if you found value in this show, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would really help us a lot to grow. Thanks again for listening. See you next week. Take care.